Amen. And in fact, go ahead and look at your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, wake the faith up. Come on, tell him. Look at somebody else. Give him a high five. Some of y'all almost cussed, but it's okay. Tell him, I, I just want to tell you. Come on, y'all ain't talking. Tell him, I just want to tell you that God is able to do above and beyond. Come on. Glory to God. Now somebody give him a praise. So listen, for the past few weeks, we've been talking and unpacking the story of Abraham, the story of Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. It started out with, you know, him being named Abram. And we explored the promise that God made to him to make him the father of many nations. And the incredible thing about this promise, Jodel, is that, you know, we know that God gives Abraham and Sarah a baby. He ends up having the baby when he is 100 years old. And Sarah is to a place where she, you know, and she is about 90, 91. And this is incredibly above and beyond what they experienced. They did not understand that this was something that was possible when God made the promise to them. That even though Sarah was beyond childbearing age, and even though she was to the place that she was, and he was so old that God was still able to be able to give them a child. And so I challenge you around the fact that with many of us, we need to understand and remember that when it is that God has made promises to us, when it is that God has said things to us in our lives, whether it be generally in his word or specifically to us in our lives as we pray and we seek him, that we have to be to the place where even if we don't understand how he's going to do it, we need to remember that he's able. Somebody that's going to stay with me this morning one more time shout, he's able. He's able. And he's, many of you have been walking in disappointment and walking with your head low and being in a place where because of things that have transpired in between God making the promise to you and it coming to fruition, you have experienced some things. And so consequently, you feel like God was, must have been lying when he said what he said. And I shared with you last week, we explored the story of how God calls upon Abraham to go and sacrifice his son after he waits for 25 years before the son is born. And God says, go and sacrifice your son. But he wasn't telling him this to participate in human sacrifice, but he was testing him to show, to see whether or not he would obey him with that which God gave him. And so I challenge many of you to understand that in times in life, God is, some of of us, we think God is trying to take it away, but God's not trying to take it. He's just trying to test it. And I, and so if he said that he's going to do it, all you've got to do is hold on to the test. Man, I feel the preach creeping up on me early, but I wonder if it's one or two people in this place that's been going through some stuff and you were looking, you were wondering, saying, God, have you forgotten about me? And I showed up to Malvern in the middle of a movie theater in some suspenders and cornrows to let about seven of y'all know that if God said it, he's going to bring it to pass. And so the fact of the matter is that I want to continue to talk around this on today i remember i'll just start with this story remember my son we we you know as i told you our church one of our core values is generosity and we've spent some time we always are looking for avenues and opportunities to go out 
and use what God has given us and what you give in terms of your generosity to go and be a blessing to other people. And so one of those things, one day we were doing random acts of kindness and my kids, we love to bring them along. As I told you last week, that God's intent for blessing us and his promise is meant to have generational and familial impact. How many of you know that there's no such thing as the junior Holy Ghost? Some of us, we think we need to have, we need to treat our kids like there's a lesser Bible for them because they're children. But God's desire is not just to impact your lives and my life, but also to impact the children that we have. But not only this, but also the children and the generations that are around us. Are you going to stay with me this morning? And so my children came along with us and it was, you know, our, our, uh, our family and the church family and we were out and we were doing this. And, you know, I'll never forget my son. It was just really dope because he, we were giving out $5 gift cards as one of the random acts of kindness. And so they love participating in stuff like this. In fact, my son Noah, you know, he almost breaks down in tears every time he sees a homeless person. And he, he literally will take his money. I remember I gave them $10 just a few days ago. And we're driving down the road. And as we we're driving down the road, my son Noah saw a homeless guy on the side of the road. And he's like, Dad, here, I want you to give this guy my money. And that's the only $5 he had. He gave it to him and he gave it to me and I gave it to the gentleman. And he went without his $5 because of his desire to operate in generosity towards the gentleman that was there. And so in this moment, we were giving out these $5 gift cards, just trying to be a blessing to people. And I'll never forget how excited my son was because he wasn't, he was not giving this $5 card to get anything. But it was amazing because as he was giving these cards out and we were giving these cards out, suddenly a lady comes rushing out of the Walmart. And she's rushing out the Walmart. You see her looking up and down, looking up and down, looking up and down. And she walks up to my son and she just randomly gives him a gift card. And so in this moment, my son is like, dad, he is losing it. He's about to turn somersault. And if you know Gabe, you know he was probably. He's going nuts. He's like, I'm so glad. Look at what happened. Because somebody gave me. A card when I was out just trying to be a blessing to other people. And it's amazing because when God will oftentimes, when God uh, causes us or challenges us to be in a place of generosity, we don't realize that while we're blessing other people, that he will in turn turn and cause blessing to happen to us. wonder if there's any witnesses in this place this morning. And so I love this because the story of Abraham, I think that uh, it's good to establish this, to have this perspective at the substratum of our thought process towards this story and the blessing of God in our lives. In Genesis chapter 12, if you can turn there quick enough, go for it. If not, write it down and check it out later. But I want you to look. We looked at the promise that God made to Abraham and Sarah. And we've gone on and we've seen him bring it to fruition. And we're like, wow, wonderful. God gave Sarah and Abraham a baby. How amazing is that? A miracle baby. But how many of you know that the miracle was not just about them getting a baby? Look at what God tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Stay with me for the next few moments. It says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. 
And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Somebody say blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Notice he does not just say, I'm going to give you a child and you're going to have this child and y'all are going to celebrate and celebrate birthday parties and have a wonderful time. No, he says that I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. In other words, I want to establish the fact that God's blessing of Abraham, note this, first of all, is that the intent from the beginning, from the inception of this thing was that it was to be above and beyond. It was to be above and beyond just Abraham. Abraham was going to be blessed in the process. But God was using Abraham as a conduit of blessing. See, many of us, you've been seeking God for things in your life. And there are things that you've been looking to God for in your life. And we, yes, praise the Lord that you got that job. But how are you using it for the Lord? Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord that you got that car. Pray, oh, glory to God that you graduated. Glory to God for the things that have taken place. Now that you got married, hallelujah, praise God that you're married. And whatever the thing is that God promised and you saw it come to pass. Or that you're still believing God for now. I want to establish and put out there that the reason that God has given this to you or will give it to you is not just for you, but his desire is for you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. It's supposed to go above and beyond you. Somebody say above and beyond. Supposed to go above and beyond you. And I want you to note this because just to establish a few things, we see that this, that generosity, this concept of, of generosity is, you know, is something that, that marked the early church. That they were people who, who were, who were consistent in their giving. They understood this as recipients of the blessing of Abraham because when God promised to Abraham that he would be blessed to be a blessing he was ultimately speaking as we learned about the coming of jesus and that through jesus everyone would be able to have eternal life and become sons and daughters of god that's good news somebody ought to be excited about that and so the church was founded on this And consequently, the church was an entity or an organism because we believe it's living, it's alive. It was an organism and still should be one that had the DNA of generosity. Everyone say generosity. And so we find we find in the book of Acts, like in Acts chapter six. Now, in those days, verse one, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, which were Greek speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. There was a mechanism in the early church that was focused on serving those who were widows and those who were less fortunate. This was a mechanism. See, nowadays, this is, this is like by default. Nowadays, we got to vote and have a committee on being generous. As opposed to it being the church. There is, there is no way that people, it's an insult to Jesus that the church is known for take, take, take as opposed to give, give, give. 
Because the whole makeup of God and his church and the blessing that we walk in that came as a result of the promise of God to Abraham is not that just we would be blessed so we would have stuff and be able to shout and dance and celebrate about how blessed we are. But it is so that we, that God could bless us to be a blessing. If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. That's a preach right there. In fact, that's good enough to preach to your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor. You don't have to do that, but tell him if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Listen, man, I mean, that's the desire that that's the desire. And that's why we want to reclaim and represent what God has called his church to be. Come on, somebody. Because generosity marks it. In fact, the first deacons, the first deacons are appointed here in Acts chapter 6, at least the office that we know of as deacons, with the word diaconia, which means one who serves. The apostles set aside seven men, full of the Holy Ghost, later women, like we see in Romans 16, verse 1 with Phoebe. He sets them aside, and their first purpose is to administrate and organize the generosity of the church. To care for the widows. That was the first thing that they were positioned to do. The deacons, those who served in the capacity, were set aside to be generous individuals and care for the generosity. I'm telling you, man, I mean, if we actually got this and understood this, this would be some, this would be, there would be some magnanimous things that would be transpiring in here. Look, look, I want you to understand this. If we turn, we're in Acts 6. If I was to go to Acts 4, I want you to look at the, 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 the impact of what takes place in a generous church. Acts chapter 4 verse 32 and onward, the Bible says, Now the full members of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that anything belonged to him was his own. This is speaking about the, the, the church when it just started. And the Bible says, but they had everything in common. Everybody say everything in common. And with great power, the apostles giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. And look at verse 34. I want you to see this. Look, pay attention. It's probably up on the screen. Look, the Bible says there was not a needy person among them. Oh, my God. For as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as everyone had need. Notice it didn't say that the apostles took the money up and put it in their pockets. Says that the apostles, that they came and they did this and it was distributed to everyone who had need. Can I talk about a generous church? There was no need, verse 34, among them because of the generosity of the church. Imagine being in a church environment that was so generous that when there is a need in the midst, that it is met immediately because of our generosity. Imagine that it even goes beyond the church house, that when we find out that there are needs in the community, that our church is so generous that we rise up and we're able to meet those needs in our midst. It's possible. Somebody say it's possible. 
above and beyond. This is what was happening. The Bible makes it clear in the book of Acts that there was joy in the city because of the church. Come on, somebody. Is there joy in our city because of the church? Are people coming and cursing and running away from the church because of what's taking place? Is there joy in the city because of your representation of Christ? What do people, what is the city saying because you're there? And so we are called, we are called, imagine this, I just, I believe it man, not a needy person in the midst, I love it and I've shared this before and this happens time and time again to where we'll come up here and have prayer requests on Sunday morning and before we hit the door, before the door is open, there are people rushing saying how can I help that person and we get needs taken care of, come on somebody, even before the day is over. Because of generosity in Serve City Church. So let it be throughout the kingdom of God all over the world. Somebody give God praise. If you believe we're getting ready to walk into. So the church misusing prosperity. And that's why we're just shouting about my house and my car and my this and my that. When God has called us, I'm not telling you to go sell your house and go sell your stuff and come put it at my feet. But it's just the per- just to show the extreme generosity that these people employed in their time. What does generosity look like for you in this way so that lives can be impacted in our midst? And so I'm sorry, man. I mean, like, because people are like, oh, you know, the church is just all about take, take, take. And the church is all about this. I just want to say on the behalf of churches everywhere, I am sorry for the abuse. But can I also tell you that not every church is like that? Do you want? This is the thing. Don't y'all get mad when people generalize? Don't you all get mad when people say, oh, all of this people group is like this because of one interaction they had? And so many of y'all that all you've had is one bad interaction or a couple and you want to label everyone like that. But I wonder if there's anybody in this place that says, you know what? I'm not just going to walk around and be to a place where I get mighty and sedity. Even though I've experienced some crazy things, God has still been good to me. And you know what? Instead of walking around with my nose high trying to find a perfect place, I'm going to realize that there are no perfect places. And I'm going to start to do my best to be the change that is necessary so that lives can be impacted everywhere in my circle of influence. And so when we talk about this, this is where Abraham's perspective, God called him to give above and beyond. God called what he called him to sacrifice and what he gave him was not just for him, but it was to go above and beyond him. And that's why you and I are Christians today is because of the blessing that God declared over Abraham, that he was blessed to be a blessing. And so you and I, with everything God has given us, and I want to especially park on our resources and on our finances, when God has called, God especially has called us to make sure that we understand that this currency that he's given us is something that can flow through us so that his kingdom and not only can his kingdom be advanced but his kingdom can be demonstrated to those who do not know the lord in our midst this is why we give so we give above and beyond how do we give above and beyond everybody say how how do we give above and beyond 
Is it a dollar amount or is it a mindset? I want to let you know first to give some uh, give a historic background in the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible for those who are new to Christianity. There were uh, this is before Jesus, before Jesus came onto the scene. Uh, And so before this. The world and the people of God were were led and judged by prophets and judges, and then later on, uh, king kings. And uh, not only this, but there were there was a system that was put in place after God gave this promise to Abraham, and it was a mosaic system. Everybody say mosaic. In other words, it was given through Moses. It was for the purpose of ultimately pointing the people to Jesus. And within this system, there were offerings that they had to give and sacrifices. Everybody say sacrifices. So there were five types of categories. The first types were, uh, for example, were a burnt offering. Everybody say a burnt offering. And it was a prescribed offering where they had to uh, kill a bull or a sheep or a goat for worship or for gratitude or for unintentional sin and so when they were in a position where they wanted to give uh where they wanted to worship or make this sort of a move they there was a prescribed thing for them to do so not only this but there was a grain offering everybody say a grain offering grain offering was accompanied it was accompanied usually by a drink offering offered in a cake form as gratitude for God's provision so there was this grain offering from what it was that God had provided for them and so not only this but then there was a peace offering everybody say peace offering Peace offering was an unblemished animal or grains or breads, sacrifice of thanksgiving and fellowship followed by a shared meal. And so this was something that they did in terms of this peace offering. Uh, But then also there were two more that were more mandatory. And one of them was a sin offering. Everybody say a sin offering sin offering and this sin offering was to pay for sin and to cleanse temporarily. It was to temporarily cleanse from sin or from defilement. And so, you know, the animal type that was used was based on the socioeconomic status of the person. And so not only this, but lastly, there was a guilt offering. One more time, say guilt offering. And so this guilt offering that they had, you know, if they did something and they were guilty. So in the Old Testament, the Hebrews, these were these five types of offerings that they had to and sacrifices that they had to walk under that were prescribed for their giving. And there are so many other things because there were 613 laws that they lived by in the Old Testament. But I'm so thankful for Jesus. Because all of these offerings, come on somebody, all of the things that they killed, they were pointing to the fact, establishing the fact that these things could not take away their sins. But not only this, it was pointing to the fact that one day Jesus would show up and he would die once and for all. And so they would no longer have to kill an animal to to be to a place where they please God. They won't have to kill anything because Jesus was going to sacrifice his life once and for all. And so now we have forgiveness of sins in Jesus. Somebody shout his name. And not only this, not only this, but uh, the Bible is also clear that because Jesus was all Jesus was offered once for all Hebrews 10, one through four and onward. You can check that out when you get your when you get some time to check it out. And so this is beautiful for us to understand as we're talking about giving above and beyond. That was the system of old. 
But now that we are walking in the New Testament, now that Jesus is here and that God has given Jesus to us as the savior of our sins and to replace all of that inadequate system that was there before. I want to give you this. Can I give you point number one? As we're talking about giving above and beyond, I got 11 minutes and I'm out of here. Look at this point. Number one, the Bible is clear and I want I want you to get this. Our giving shouldn't be an attempt to manipulate God into blessing us. It should be a response to what he's already given us in Jesus. I need to say that again. Our giving shouldn't be an attempt to manipulate God into blessing us. It should be a response to what he's already given us in Jesus. Remember, we were talking about Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, how God tested his faith by calling him to sacrifice his son, challenging him and testing him in that regard. And the Bible makes it clear that after he did so, watch this, that God provides or tells him to stop when he's getting ready to be obedient and do so. And he says, look, there's a ram in the bush. And he learns in that moment that God is Jehovah Jireh, which is Hebrew to let us know that the Lord will provide. And I want you to understand, this is why I want you to note this, that God, because remember, this is countercultural, as I told you, to what was transpiring in that time. They were accustomed to sacrificing, because remember, Abraham came from a pagan background. They're accustomed to sacrificing humans, most times their firstborn, to try and get God's attention. But God, in providing the sacrifice, when he tested Abraham to sacrifice his son, was showing that you don't have to do anything to get to me because there's a time coming where I'm going to give it all to get to you. And so you no longer have to try and do things to manipulate me into reigning on the earth because I am getting ready to give my one and only son as a payment for your sins and so now you don't give to try to manipulate me but you give in response to what I've already given you through Christ man that's some good news right there we give we don't give how many of you you think okay oh man I need this done so I'm going to give to God so that I can get this done in the motives or I want to be I want to be a millionaire so you go into service and you're like okay I'm going to sow my thousand dollar seed because I'm going to try and do this or if I give this exact number of this thing then that's going to manipulate God can I just talk about it today the motive the motive and I'm coming against that religious demon I'm not scared of none of y'all in Jesus name because the fact is that many of us we go up in these contexts and we think that as long as we like we play in the lottery as long as we play the magic number that as long as if we play the magic number then we'll get to God and then that might titillate and make God give us what we want you know oftentimes how we do with fasting we'll fast and we're like okay I need something from the Lord so I'm gonna fast I'm going to flick myself. I'm going to go and starve myself because my starving. Do you know how dysfunctional that is for you to think that you have to starve yourself for God to hear from you? Can I talk to somebody this morning? You fast. Your fasting is for you. It's not for God. Fasting says I'm putting my flesh down when you do fast so that I'm telling my flesh that man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live by Facebook alone. 
Come on, who am I talking to this morning? So it's putting my flesh in check and positioning me so that I can focus on God. But I'm sorry to poop your party, baby, but your fasting is not manipulating God into doing anything for you. Y'all don't like me. That's okay. I still love you. And so when we're talking about giving above and beyond and living in this position and in this place, we are now in the New Testament, folks. This is not the Old Testament. We have a greater covenant in Jesus. We have a better covenant, the Bible says. It's a different scenario. We don't give to get from God, but our motive should be we give in response to what he's given us. Are you still with me? And so when you're talking about giving above and beyond, I love how Paul prescribes what he does in in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. What book did I say? There we go. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 through 10. Look at what Paul says. And I, you, got, you know, some people are scared to talk about this stuff, but we got to talk about it. The Bible says in verse 6, the point is, because Paul is talking in context about the church. And he's talking about giving into the kingdom. Because many of us, you know, we, ha- we don't have an issue with giving to the homeless guy on the side of the road. And that's a blessing. Praise the Lord for that. We need to do that. Jesus says, as much as you do unto least of these, my brethren, you are doing it unto me. But he also encourages us about the importance of giving into the kingdom. Everybody say the kingdom. And the advancement of the kingdom. And that should be a priority in our lives. If you are, if you call yourself a Christian. And so he says, look at here in the passage. The point is this. Here's the principles. I told, we looked at the motive. Now let's look at a couple principles. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly, the Bible says, will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So again, he's not just talking about giving in general. But in this context... He's using the, the, uh, the example of a farmer. If you put a little in the ground, you get a little. If you put a lot in the ground, you get a lot. And here, he's talking more about scale than he is being in terms of an amount. Because how many of you know that a lot to a millionaire is different than a lot to a tenionaire? And so God is not focused on an amount. That's what many of us think. Oh, I only have, I only have, I only have. That's not what God is looking at. God is looking at your heart and the scale of your gift, not the amount of your gift. Can I just set some people free this morning? Because you think, oh, my gift is less than somebody else's. And so God is, it's about, so he says, whoever sows bountifully. So here is point number two. Somebody say number two. The scale of our kingdom investment determines the level of our kingdom harvest. So the scale, in fact, say that with me. Say the scale of my kingdom investment determines the level of my kingdom harvest. The Bible is clear. Look at it, man. Matthew 6.33. For those who are talking about, uh, understand blessing, the Bible is clear. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33. And he says, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The context of that chapter is talking about material things. And so he says, prioritize the kingdom of God. It is through the local church 
that God advances his kingdom or his kingship is, 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 is spread and is widened. And so when we give into the local church, we are giving. Because you're saying, why do these guys collect offering every Sunday? Why is it that we do things like the reach offering and all of this stuff? It's because we are, we are obeying God's command. We do this. This is a part of what church does. We are, our attempt is to advance the kingdom of God, to show the love of God in a magnanimous way to those who are in our city. And the only way that that can happen is not by us and us dancing and all of that's not going to keep the lights on. Come on, somebody. That's going to, that's wonderful to praise the Lord and have a great time but none of that positions us to be able to go beyond these walls and meet real tangible needs can I keep it real this morning and so we have to understand this and you know many of us we claim scriptures you know we claim scriptures like Philippians 4 19 where Paul says my God shall supply how many of you know it all of my needs according to his riches in glory and we go and we quote the scriptures and you know we might even put it to my god shall supply in the rough times you know when you just got to sing that and you just have a, a fantastic time and you sing it do you know the context of that paul is saying in philippians chapter 4 he's talking to the church at philippi and commending them because of their generosity towards an investment into his kingdom advancement and he's saying because of your generosity to, that is positioning us to go out and cast out devils and positioning us to be able to bring normalcy to the lives of those who are in the bondage of sin and let them know about the name that is above every name because even though because even in the Corinthian church in this time he's even talking about people who were extending themselves beyond themselves because because of where they were in position they weren't wealthy people. But they were still doing what they could do to advance the kingdom of God. And Paul says, as a result of their generosity, my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Can I talk about context for a second? You know, we like to be cherry picking scriptures. And so this is the thing, but this is what he says in context. It's a result. And so there are many of us, you claim in this scripture and you, and you have not given nan into the kingdom of God. And I'm not here to beat anybody up. It don't matter if it's 10 cents. Come on, somebody. As long as you are in a place where you are generous towards the Lord and towards the advancement of his kingdom, this positions us to be able to make impact. And the thing that I'm scared of is we're losing more and more people to all of these TV ripoff preachers. Who am I talking to? You're sending your money for some miracle water that he bathed in and some sackcloth that he put in his drawers for three days, promising you that you're going to get a house and a car next week but you won't give into a church that you're actually seeing lives impacted and changed by I wonder if there's anybody in this place that knows time for this foolishness to stop all this false doctrine and this nonsense people manipulating y'all sending your money thinking Jesus is a genie in a bottle the local church is a vehicle through which God does his thing. And it's imperative that we sow into the kingdom in this regard. Can I give you, I just have two more quick ones for you here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Then whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided. 
Everybody say decided. Decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Here's point number three. Everybody say number three. We are to give cheerfully from a place of preparation, not compulsion. You know, we need to understand that God's desire for us is not for you to give because I told you to. That's not the right heart and motive. We give in response to what Jesus has given to us. Right. And so this is important for us to understand because there are a lot of churches that will get up and pressure you and will beat you over the head and tell you if you don't give, this is going to happen to you and try to curse you because they're operating in witchcraft and want to come have you under their manipulative power. Can I talk about it this morning? But God's desire is not for you to give under the pressure of some false preacher. God's desire is for you to give as you have purposed in your heart and as you are able to give as he has given to you. I was in a service one time. I'll never forget, man, while I was in this service, there was a preacher that was up and he was saying, God said there are X amount of people who are to give a thousand dollars. And then he proceeds by sharing. So he says, X amount of people, and I want y'all to get ready to come and line up. And then what he says after this, he says, I was I was in this place and I was I made the same altar call. And I told the lady, there's someone, your husband is driving this car right now and he's going down this road. And if you do not give this thousand dollars, he is about to get hit by a semi truck and die. I was in the service. And I'm sitting there and he's telling, he's saying this out front and he's saying, so there's 10 people. I need you to trust me. So I need you to move quickly. I need you to move. Remember, there was this woman and she was this and this happened and her husband was going to get hit by a semi truck. And so she was giving this offering to try and stop and save her. What type of manipulative foolishness is that? God's desire is not for you to give under pressure or pressure or under compulsion or because somebody told you that anything is going to happen because you give under you give under preparation and you give cheerfully. How can you give cheerfully when somebody's telling you if you don't give so a Mack truck is going to hit your child and kill them or your husband and kill them? And so we give cheerfully from a place of preparation, not under compulsion as he said don't give because i told you to but give because god has given to you and this is your response as a result and then for perspective's sake can i give you the last point everybody say last one here we go here we go i love what he says in the passage if we continue reading he says in verse eight watch this talking about above and beyond everybody say above and beyond and god is able to make all grace abound to you So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor, but righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness this is powerful here's point number four our kingdom generosity not only blesses us but also positions us to bless others here he's saying that as a result of our investment into the kingdom of god whatever that looks like the fact of the matter is he says that when we do so 
He says that God is able. Remember, we're talking about God's ability to do exceedingly abundantly of what we could ask or think above what we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. God is able to not only bless us so that our needs are met, but he blesses us so that we can bless others with the overflow. So then as a result of my generosity, my family ends up getting blessed. Come on, somebody. My loved ones end up getting blessed. My, my, I can bless people in India. Come on, somebody. Because there is a blessing that happens in Africa because of my generosity. An advancement, an investment in the kingdom of God. And so I want you to understand this. It's not about what you have or don't have. But it's about whose hand you put it in. And it's having a perspective that's not about giving to get. But it's about having a perspective where you are positioning yourself to be able to be a conduit, to be used by God. So it's when we seek first his kingdom and we invest into his kingdom, whatever it is that you give to God, if you prioritize him and seek him first and ask him, not because I told you, not because I pressured you, but because you want to see other lives change. God will cause what you have to multiply so you can be blessed and also so that you can bless other people. If that word was a blessing to you, go ahead and put those hands together and give God praise in this moment.